listening to the Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? Chip Munn, how are you, sir? I am doing great. Doing great. Ready to get going again. Another Friday in podcast land. So it is good to be back with you. It is. It is. And for our loyal listeners that have been following along this past weekend, it was the first inaugural concert at a new amphitheater here in Wilmington, North Carolina. And Widespread Panic was the main show. And so I, I attended that. Friday night and it was it was fantastic. They led off with a great tune, not their own, but it was Lawyers, Guns and Money. And so you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong if you lead off with a song like that, right? No doubt. And for folks who've been listening, now we know what you'll be whistling this week. That's right. That's right. I've I've already been whistling. Absolutely. And and Kristen hates every second of it. I've already been reprimanded many times. She'll get a concert all week whistling. John Tate. So John, over the last few weeks, we've been touching on the idea of moving to an area. Why don't you give our listeners a little recap of what we've gone through in the last couple of shows? So over the past two or three shows, at least, we've talked about moving to a new area, whether you're a new business, a business owner, employee, a retiree, whatever it is, whatever the reason you know, maybe you're going after a new job, maybe it's upward mobility, maybe it's uh, retiring to a place where you can be closer to your family, closer to your kids, closer to a support group, moving to a new area. And what are the reasons behind that? You know, we came up with some things like better healthcare, better support system, lower taxes, higher potential income. And then we also talked about what a checklist might look like to get yourself prepared to do it. And then also a step-by-step introduction to the new area, which it kind of rolls into the show that we're going to do today. It's kind of the theme of getting plugged in to the new area once you're there, whether you're a new business or an employee and finding out who you can contact in your new area or what you look at to increase the number of good people on your team, the people helping you, the new professionals that are there helping you in different aspects of your life. That's kind of what we're here to talk about today because the two people that we've got on the horn with us are folks that primarily talk to business owners and they might have good contacts with some of the professionals that other folks are looking to hire or to include in their team once they get to a new area, right? Yeah, and you know, when you were talking, it reminded me of that the song from Sesame Street back from when I was a kid, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? I won't sing it. But part of what we're talking about now is plugging into the people in your new neighborhood so that you can meet the people who can be of help, make connections, and those kinds of things. And the two people that we have joining us today are the kind of folks who can do just that. We're joined today, John, by Mike Miller. Mike is the president of the Greater Florence Chamber of Commerce. And Kevin Lackey, he is the director of business development for Brunswick Business Industry Development or the Brunswick BID for short. Mike, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks. So, Kevin, as we're getting started, before we jump in, one of the things that we want to give people an opportunity to do is to add who's. So we talk a little bit on this show about who versus how and knowing the right people. 
makes a big difference. Tell us a little bit about you as a who. Yeah, thanks, Chip. So Kevin Lackey here with uh, Brunswick Business and Industry Development. Who am I? Well, I'm one of the rare natives of the uh, greater Wilmington area. And in the context of my position, I would like to recoin that to the greater Brunswick region. So uh, you've heard it here first, folks, the greater Brunswick region. So not only am I a native, a product of the public school system here, but uh, I'm also a graduate, undergrad, and grad school at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. So, you know, I know a lot of the players and the good people on a granular level here, which does substantially help me with my position, but just a native, love where I live, and here to help. Mike, how about you? Yeah, Chip, as we've talked before, you know, a little bit about my background, spent quite a bit of time in the media, but in my life after the print and slight interest in broadcast, I ended up in uh, the Chamber of Commerce, helping build and develop the community. And it's kind of funny that the differences are very little between the two. Most everything that I have found that's relative to running the Chamber of Commerce or being involved in the community was pretty much portable from my relationships I had established in the media side of things. So I have been very fortunate that way. And I think I brought some leverage and opportunity into the current role here for the last seven years at the Chamber of Commerce. That's great. So guys, when we look at business development and, and folks who are moving to the area, what's the difference between the chamber focus and maybe Kevin, a, a business development group like yours? So economic development is probably the, the broadest term in the Western dictionary. You know, it can mean anything and everything just depending on who you are. So it's really up to the community to define exactly what that is. So depending on where you are, an EDO, economic development organization, or a chamber could have similar or drastically different scopes of what they're looking to do. Uh, for us specifically here at Brunswick Business Industry Development, we focus primarily on base economic jobs or traded sector jobs, which mean roughly 65% of your product or service is sold outside of the region, meaning that it's bringing fresh dollars into the community. Then we have the chamber support that works with the local professional service industry to try to keep that, those dollars in the community, you know, prevent slippage. And that, in a nutshell, is how we are here in Brunswick County. Yeah, I agree with what Kevin said, and, and it's very, very true. Serving on a number of economic development organizations and chambers of commerce throughout the eastern part of the United States, each one is uniquely different. Each community is different. If you were on a chamber of commerce in the Midwest or an economic development in the Midwest, you're going to be focused on completely different aspects than you would be if you were in the chamber or economic development in Myrtle Beach, for instance. So you adjust and the chamber adjusts to what is needed by the economic development organizations. But the goal has always been somewhat the same between the two. And that's what we want, thriving business environment. And we want to ever improving quality of life for the communities that we represent. But we both have somewhat the same goals in that area. We just do things just a little bit different, work on different objectives. You know, working with some of these organizations in the past, one of the things I was going to ask today was with metropolitan planning organization areas, whenever they map these together, I know Brunswick County, for example, it's still, I think as of October of last year, was still the fourth fastest growing county in the nation. 
but they've uh, lumped that in with the Grand Strand Metropolitan Planning Organization, which is in uh, South Carolina, obviously. Does that make a difference when you're either talking to existing businesses or bringing in new businesses if the MPO is not in the same state that the county is in? Or is it just something for the media to talk about? For Brunswick, it does. Us being part of the, the Myrtle Beach MSA. Or MSA, I'm sorry. That MSA, was the, yeah. the term I was looking for. You know, for us, when we're putting together proposals or digging deep into the data, statistics, having us grouped in with an entirely different state makes it difficult at times to get that granular data that you need. It's hard to decipher it. But that's, you know, just kind of down in the weeds technical. That really doesn't affect the, the regular person. On another level, when it comes to, say, funding for roads, if we're lumped together with Wilmington, you know, funding comes from the state. So when you're asking for a bridge or, or road updates or, or whatever the case may be, if you're asking for money from your own state, you're more likely to get it. When you are grouped together with another state, it makes it a little more difficult to plead your case as to get resources when you are, in fact, another state and you're technically competing when it comes to you know, the government. But so I'd say there's some issues that, that are caused by that, yes. So it's something you might read about in the paper, but it's not going to be something that impacts the local business as much as maybe the media makes it out to be. Is that what I'm hearing you say? To an extent, yes. (laughs) And then you mentioned funding in there, which is also something that I think would be interesting to talk a little bit about today. I assume the two organizations that you represent, Mike and Kevin, are funded differently. Mike, how is your organization funded on a regular basis? Well, chambers of commerce vary in how they're funded. Some of the smaller chambers get support from the city or their counties, municipal support. We're all pretty much member funded. So about 70% of our revenues for our programs and events come from actual membership dues. So that's critical to us, obviously. About 18% might come from large and small support at a foundation level, the Hondas and Otis elevators and the QVCs and those type of folks, they will help support us in a different way financially along with their membership. So that's the sizable amount of money that helps as well. 9% might come from fundraising programs and events that we might want to consider to be called fundraisers, but we only have two to three of those a year. And then maybe 3%, less than 3% might come from grants that we would look at to start a particular program particularly on the small business and the diversity side initiatives. We look for grants to help fund those things. Kevin, how about you? Are you guys funded solely through the state? You know, we have a a MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, with the county. You know, we're a standalone private nonprofit, and we do receive a little over half of our funding from the county itself. Uh, You know, we are here in contract by them to perform their economic development efforts. That said, a part of our funding is directly from the private sector, and we actively work towards uh, increasing that because the more support you have, uh, the more you have to allocate towards programs, as Micah said, uh, you know, marketing the area. So, yeah, I'd say public and private, and and, uh, I think we would move towards a a fundraising effort here in the future, but pretty much private, public, 60-40 in a perfect world. And, Mike, you mentioned some of the initiatives that were funded out of grants, but are there specific initiatives or programs that you're especially passionate about? We consider some of the 
bigger programs that we do somewhat signature programs, if I can use that word, Chip, can I? Absolutely. Those would be our Outlook luncheons and our membership luncheons. We have two of those each year, and attendance ranges from 500 to 600 people. It starts out as a networking type of thing, doors open, people talk, and then we have a guest speaker, and obviously we do some awards at each one of those, which is great for the business community. They can talk a little bit amongst themselves, what works, what doesn't work. Then we have our legislative breakfast. We have two of those a year, spring and in the fall, and we consider those to be signature events. And we'll have two to 300 people attend there. Sometimes it won't be necessarily just a legislative review with our representatives from Washington or Columbia at the state level or local. Sometimes we'll turn it into uh, something like uh, an, an education forum. So those breakfasts kind of take on different meanings at, at different times, depending on what's happening, what's needed in our community. So, yeah, we consider those signature events. And of course, we have the Leadership Florence program or Florence Leadership, which is a nine-month program that most chambers have and most communities have. We're very proud of it. It's, it's uh, gone from 28 attendees, and we have to now cut it off at 40, and we have a waiting list for the following year. We consider that nine-month program to be a signature program. And there's probably three or four others. But again, we decided, as an example, we decided we would take the leadership program into a smaller program into a high school level and call it junior leadership. It also is a nine-month program, but we didn't have the funding for that. So we started looking for grants and people to help partner with us instead of doing it alone. We have partnerships with uh, the school foundation and with Florence County 4-H and with uh, Francis Marion University. And we were able to recruit some funding and grants to help make those programs viable. Chip, have you ever participated in the Florence Leadership Program? I have not, but we have several folks from Signature who have participated. And my son, my oldest, participated in the Junior Leadership Program when they first started that. And, and one of the things, as we're talking, because I think Mike mentioned it, I know that a lot of chambers have similar programs you know, one of the cool things about that program, I did Leadership South Carolina back in 2008, and it was similar, just on a different scale. But one of the things that they do in those programs for folks who are moving from one area to another, whether you're working, so whether you're moving for work, or if you're moving and just want to find a place, we talk a lot about volunteering and getting involved. One of the things that these leadership programs do is they expose you at a pretty deep level to lots of the different areas of, in this case, say, the greater Florence area, they really take you through, over that nine months, multiple long days in different subjects and topics. And so you really get an inside look as to what's going on in the city or in the county. And not only does it connect you with people, but I think programs like that can help you find and connect with purpose, too. Yeah, and, you know, I'll take what Chip says a little bit further on those programs, the biggest comment we get afterwards is, I did not know. I did not know our health system was this strong. I did not know we had this capacity at our hospitals here. I did not know that there were so many engineer opportunities at Otis Elevator. I did not know our government did this. Um, so you go through these law enforcement programs or government programs, you attend meetings, you get to go to Columbia 
you visit with some of the representatives there. And the outtake from this, they did not know. And some of these people grew up here and they did not know. I would assume, Kevin, that Greater Brunswick has a similar kind of program, whether it's in one or all of the cities or at a county level. I, I think these are pretty universal, might not be the right word, but I, I think there are lots of them. Would you agree? Yeah, exactly. So many of our chambers, we have three here in Brunswick County, and including the chamber in, uh, in Wilmington, have a fantastic leadership program. Um, they often do you know, 40 under 40 recognitions uh, for up-and-comers. You know, focusing primarily on manufacturers are a little bit different. If you boil it down, the reasoning behind all that is, I would like to say, cross-pollination, you know, the networking part. So you learn what is going on in your community and how you can add value. And so uh, a big push that we're doing is usually economic development entities that are at a county level or city level are kind of siloed. You know, here are my manufacturers, here are my businesses, keyword, my, my, my. You know, having grown up in the area, jurisdictional boundaries don't matter as a normal person. You know, it matters for school funding and it matters for elected officials, but for the average person, it really doesn't matter. And for us, you know, we recognize that we have a cluster of manufacturers here in Brunswick, a cluster of manufacturers a stone's throw away in New Hanover County, and a cluster of manufacturers another stone's throw in Pender County. And we're like, why can these manufacturers not speak to each other? How can we take down the veil? So they really get to know each other. And when they run into a problem, who better to solve it than their peer? You know, not me. My job is to facilitate. I don't have all the answers. And so what we've done is we've started what's called the KFIR Manufacturing Partnership to do just that. So kind of like your, your business networking events that a chamber has for, you know, professionals. We do that for manufacturers. And it's, you know, it's really been a beautiful thing to see is the veil has come down for these manufacturers because usually their nose is to the grindstone every day. And now when they have a simple question as, uh, for example, when the mask mandates were lifted from the pandemic, some manufacturers have large legal teams, some have zero. So manufacturers were able to reach out and say, what is your policy shaping up to be from this new information? And so larger, well-organized manufacturers were providing info to, to smaller mom and pop type manufacturers, and they were cross-pollinating and getting on the same level and answering their questions immediately. Yes, that's just one push or initiative that we've been working on that we've seen a lot of positives come out of. And when your board comes back to you with some strategic planning ideas, I'm sure both of you have uh, talked with your organizations about what the strategic plan is for the future. What are really the top five things that each of you would be focused on for your entity going forward? Business is different today. And so what might have been a strategic vision or goals three, four, and five years out have changed. Now, today, we're trying to, as far as the chamber, keep on top of litigation, keep on top of any changes in, in regulatory that would inhibit business growth. And a lot of that's come about because of the COVID. Businesses are looking at different things today than they were two years ago now. Business models everywhere have changed. The revenue streams have changed and then shifted. Their expenses, certainly, we've seen in the last two months. All those things are impacting business. And what the chamber should be doing is focusing on programs, events, information, and communication on how others are handling this. What are some of the availabilities training-wise? What are some of the things other people are doing? Creating that competition. And in some cases, I hate the word network, but you know, you do have to have 
some network amongst others so that you can exchange these ideas. And we're kind of the middleman in facilitating those things. Kevin brought up the industries getting together, particularly the leaders. And we have a quarterly CEO breakfast and the leaders from Honda and, and all the large industries around get together. There's 32 of us in a room and we start sharing how has the workforce changed? Where are we going now for our employees? The HR issues uh, sometimes are common across all business models. So when we take a look at what our goals are, it's being able to stay up with those changes that businesses, both small, mid-sized businesses are faced with today and keeping those communication lines open, giving them uh, the ability to train, find out what others are doing that have been successful. And so most of the goals we set are very fluid and they're going to change from six months to a year. So I hope that helps a little bit. Good, I'll chime in. If you really weed through any kind of you know mission vision for what we are, are looking to tackle, you know, our county, Brussels County and the region, uh, due to its coastal positioning, is very service oriented. You know, whether it be retirees or those on vacation from, say, you know, Raleigh, Charlotte, other big metropolitan areas. And, uh, you know, it's always been our mission and vision. I'll, I'll get into it. But the pandemic really exposed how heavily leaning we are towards hospitality, service, and healthcare. When everything shut down, a big part of our economy shut down. Uh, but guess who didn't shut down? Our manufacturers. You may have had some that took a little hit but most were humming along, if not growing exponentially. So, you know, a big part of what our mission is, is to provide diversity and opportunities for our citizens. Also, you know, upward mobility for our citizens. And I'd say a third leg is to elevate that these traded sector businesses even exist in the area. I stated at the beginning that I was a native of Wilmington and Greater Wilmington, now Greater Brunswick County. I mean, I had no idea that we had this many beautiful manufacturers in our region. Wasn't even on my radar. You know, you know, middle school, high school, undergrad, had no idea. Only was it that I've traveled the world, circled back around in life, and became uh, an economic developer did I really get to see what, what our area offered. So, you know, just elevating the industry and what's in our backyard is, is extremely important to our mission as an organization. Yeah, I would think that that's one of the benefits if you're not going to do as much of that go out and circle back to programs like those leadership programs that really walk you through some of the different areas of where you live to make sure that you are, because having gone through several different kinds of those, it's one of those things where all of a sudden, Kevin, I didn't know what a drug rep was. Yeah, I'm from a small town. We Everybody either worked at the local plant uh, they were farmers. You know, we had one dentist, one doctor, and one lawyer. And so you were just really limited. And these days, especially, you, you mentioned several times kind of the trades, the opportunities in the jobs in those kinds of sectors, I think, are the kinds of things that we want to make sure, you know, that folks are aware of. One of the things when we look at, as part of this series, moving to a new area and plugging in to a group like either of yours to just better understand and, and begin the process of maybe starting a new business or that relocation process. It's important in our mind to get plugged in. What are some of the ways, Mike, that you would suggest people get plugged in to the area? Always a very interesting topic, and it's got various fingers to it. But one of the things I hear a lot is, well, 
we just opened up a business and we want to belong with the chamber because we want to be successful. And they think because they join the chamber, open their doors, customers come walking in the front door. It doesn't work like that. It works along the lines of what you're talking about. And it's called participate, 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 be interactive, get out there. There's opportunities galore from the chamber perspective. You've got opportunities to interact as a chamber ambassador, where when we have new businesses in town, we send out a group of about 20 to 30 people. Sometimes they'll have ribbon cutting. Sometimes it's just to go out and meet and greet, ask others to join in. And a lot of business starts becoming conducted that way just by building those relationships. I would love to name some names right now, some large businesses here in town that have, were started from just that level. It was meeting their future supplier, their future banker. All those things put together mean success, and it has on many occasions. So I guess the chamber offers a great deal of opportunity to mix and mingle and to talk business and, and surround yourself with others that are faced with similar things, hurdles and so forth in life and in business. Mike, can people join a chamber? And again, we're speaking of the Florence Chamber in this case, but if you're listening from somewhere else, just know that they're all similar probably in structure, we're assuming. Mike, can somebody join or participate or do some of the networking at the chamber if maybe they've moved to town but they haven't started a business yet? Or if they're just trying to get plugged in, is that a place where there's opportunity? There's lots of opportunity. We maintain the list. And it's a large list of civic organizations, your local churches. And when people move to town, the most logical thing that has carried through for many decades now is contact your Chamber of Commerce for the most current information. We offer information for how to connect to the utilities, to your cable, to your television, what TV stations are in town, what restaurants. I mean, some of the most asked questions are, who are your grocery stores? what drugstores are here, although that's become a little more centered, but those types of things. And, and so we're kind of an outlet for all that. So they start with us. We give them a variety of information and it steers people to, well, they can continue their banking in one way, or maybe they'll go a different way and go local banking. But through us, they're going to have some exposure to different options. So now we're a good place to start. And I think typically most people start there. And we talked a little bit about how COVID has changed the environment. And Kevin, you talked about how manufacturers in general didn't stop manufacturing product and they still shouldn't because there are several areas of the economy where we're seeing extensive shortages right now. But one of the other things we've seen as financial planners are that people have made money in the stock market and they're now using some of that capital to potentially start up a new business. And I know in, in Brunswick County, or at least in the Leland area, we toured as part of the Economic Development Committee, we toured the business incubator that the town has a partnership with the community college here. And we looked at several new businesses that were in the area of manufacturing a product for sale in one form or fashion. And, and you know, that may not necessarily be the type of business an Economic Development Commission goes after if you're looking at, you know, bringing an established manufacturer into the area. But if somebody's starting up a new business and they're thinking about manufacturing a product, how do they get started? Who would you put them in contact with? Yeah, I field questions like this often, and it's not, quote unquote, within the scope of our organization, but just as a, again, a normal person in the community, you know, I love these calls and, you know, I'm your number one advocate and cheerleader. 
So if you were a, a smaller manufacturer and say you're going to start your own machine shop, you know, I would more than welcome the call and try to plug you into needs of larger manufacturers. Could you be a source for them? You know, could we shorten that supply chain and keep that money at home? Number two, you know, again, I or anybody else you know, would never have all the answers. It's all about who you have in your close network. It depends on at what stage, you know, if you need the, the business plan and all that, uh, small uh, SBAs and the Brussels Community College or Cape Community College could help you out. If you need mentorship, say you've got an idea, but you're not quite maybe have the nerve or comfortable pushing it forward. There's a great organization, national organization called SCORE. It's a lot of retired C-suite individuals, people who have owned their own businesses, been plant managers. They've been through the up and downs. So if you've got the idea, I like to say you can pick the weight up off your shoulders and let them hold it for a minute and help guide you forward. I've had a lot of success with small businesses with them. You know, there's a lot of other government programs. So I would just say, you know, probably as you could just reach out to your chamber, who knows a lot of people in the community, you know, you could just reach out to me and I thoroughly enjoy going down the rabbit hole with someone and, and helping them solve their problem. Or your financial advisor, right? I mean, you can or, always or reach, that, out, exactly. reach out to Thank your you. financial advisor too. We're always here to help. There are plenty of people in the community that are always there to help. Mike, do you have any ideas, any thoughts to share on that topic? Maybe new business starting up from scratch or, or somebody with an idea and some seed money. You know, yeah. is there anything that you would add on to that? We get a lot of that. And unfortunately, we get that second. They first make a visit to their local bank and look for the loan. And of course, they want a business plan and, and a variety of other things. Most small businesses, when they go to start, really start on a paper towel, basically. It's got the idea. Some of them are excellent ideas, lack of funding. So we get a lot of people walk in the door that have just an idea and we have to steer them to places where they can actually sit down and talk to somebody about developing a business plan, which is obviously critical for your funding. Banks require it. And even if you're looking for grants and so forth, they're going to require it. But you have to have a pretty good idea of what your niche is going to be. And there's an awful lot of directions we can turn people to. Both our technical college here in town and our four-year Francis Marion University both have excellent incubator programs. There's opportunities there. The Chamber runs a mentorship program now, operated by a very good operation out of Myrtle Beach with the SCORE folks. And we've got a lot of people that are in that program right now with us. So there's an awful lot of opportunities and we can steer people to the right place. We just need them to know, stop in, talk to us, and we can get them started on a plan, but they're the ones that have to finish it. We're not going to write it for them. So guys, we've talked a lot about how each of your organizations can help others, you know, what you do in the community and how you can help people if they're coming in and plugging in. If somebody were listening and they're a resident of Greater Florence or Greater Brunswick County, Mike, what's one way that people could help you, help your organization, help you do what you're trying to do better? That's really a great question. <laughs> a lot of times people will sit and complain about the things that they don't like, either about a community or about a problem that just never goes anywhere. They just talk amongst themselves at parties and socials. And instead of picking up the phone and calling the chamber or calling the city, for that matter, or the county representatives, they need to bring those things to somebody's attention because a lot of times we will hear about that. We can put things together and say, hey, listen, I've had four phone calls about this particular issue or that particular issue. 
somebody might want to look into it. And I could name them specifically, but won't. I mean, it's kind of interesting. People just don't understand that they do have an opportunity to provide input and suggestion, and nobody's rolling their eyes at the other end of the line. Kevin, how about for you? So if you're not a business, if you're a citizen, my biggest thing, you have to give in order to receive. And what I mean by that is, you know, just simple conversation, being genuine, talking about what truly gets you going, what kind of side projects you're working on, what really makes you tick. And, you know, you as a citizen having your ear to the ground and bringing anything maybe valuable to us. Because at the end of the day, our, our job is to be, you know, a lightning rod or a catalyst for uh, information facilitation. You know, something could take 18 months to happen. But if I hear of it and I know somebody who it may benefit and I connect them, then that thing that could have happened in 18 months now happens in three and the economy is growing faster. People are getting, getting a step up in life or, or whatever the case is. So I just say give in order to receive, you know, just speak genuinely, keep your ear to the ground, provide that information and what really gets you going. So should I talk to somebody else and they have information that will help you with your dreams or aspirations. And it could have nothing to do with my job, but I'll plug you up and make you both stronger. And then it always circles back around and, you know, you'll help us with our mission and vision. It's just, it's really as simple as that. On a scale of one to 10, out of all the businesses that each of you talk to, how confident are business owners in the future over the next six to 18 months economically? For us, I'd say very positive. Like I said, due to the pandemic, you know, many have had an upward tick in what they do. So we're working diligently to, to help them with local expansions and hirings. Yeah, I don't see any slowdown whatsoever from the manufacturing sector. And you, Mike? I would agree with Kevin on that. I mean, there's a couple of hurdles that they face only because business is promising to be so good and actually has been for many, for most. But we still have the two hurdles of the workforce and of course, the rising costs. But uh, we might have seen some of that coming anyhow and could have been maybe better prepared. But I think most people have a very positive outlook for the next six months. That's good to hear, right, Chip? We're just going to repeat that to our clients and put it on repeat every time they call us. Yeah, I'm just going to point them to this episode. So I think all of us will share this. If you're listening, share it with somebody. If you need somebody or if you know somebody who needs good news, you heard it here from two of the bigger and better areas in our listening area. So I think that, yeah, it's just encouraging to hear kind of boots on the ground. And that's one other thing that I've heard from both these guys, John, is kind of our concept that you're better together is that really both of these kinds of organizations, they want to work together to better the area. And they want to work with individual people, not only to better the area, but I think back to each of them individually talking about plugging businesses or people into businesses and getting people together in such a way that everybody wins. And so I I think it's really on message all the way around about connecting with people and the importance of working together. Mike, if folks want to learn a little bit more about you or your organization, where would you send them? I would send them to our website, flowchamber.com, or just give me a call, 843-665-0515. Awesome. Kevin, how about you? Uh, Same. Just go straight to the website, see our uh, full team and a little bit about us. And that's at brunswickbid.com. Awesome. Well, guys, we really appreciate both of you spending time with us. It's great to hear about the good things going on in both areas.
Thank you, Chad. John, looking forward to seeing you again next week, friend. Yes, sir. We'll be here. All right. Here we have it. Another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at SignatureWealth.com scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real-life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security, it's all in there. Go to theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to signaturewealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.